Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode has been brought to you by the Wine to Wine Business Forum 2022. This year will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on November 7th and 8th of 2022 in Verona, Italy. This year will be an exclusively in-person edition. The main theme of the event will be all-round wine communication, and tickets are on sale now. The first early bird discount will be available until August 22nd. For more information, please visit us at winetowine.net. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Hi, everybody. This is Joy Living. I'm standing in for Stevie Kim. This is Ambassador's Corner. And today we have Julie Ferriker speaking with Francesca Margiotta. And yeah, here we are in very sunny and very warm Verona, Italy. And it's, uh, it's crazy hot right now. Stevie is in London doing uh, the VIA course there with many of the other people from the office. So they're, they're busy working away. Uh, just a quick bit of information about Clubhouse. We uh, replay this on the Italian Wine Podcast. So we have uh, Julie Farriker tonight. Julie is a Venetian Italian wine ambassador and owner of the Italian Cellar, a wine shop that exclusively sells Italian wines. Uh, she's traveled to all 20 regions of Italy and recently became a certified uh, Italian olive oil sommelier, which is super cool. And she is the official ambassador of Orvieto Wines. And um, when she's not educating customers about Italian wine and food, she is a high school English and history teacher and starting her 19th year next week, which is crazy. I love my history teacher in school, by the way my favorite teacher so i'm biased here <laughs> oh um, i love it yeah <laughs> yeah no it's it's amazing you know have a good teacher and you will uh you'll take that with you yeah okay so julie um i tell me where you are right now so i'm currently in florida and florida is just as hot as italy however in florida there's plentiful air conditioning <laughs> I was in Italy actually for about six weeks this summer, and I will say it was rather painful. That heat really got to me after a while, but you know, I tried to make the best of it. I was in Orvieto, I was in Umbria for about three weeks, and I was with um, the Orvieto Consortio with uh, a few other ambassadors, and we were learning all about Orvieto wines, and it was just such a great experience. It was so hot, and it was at one point, unfortunately. I had to talk to a doctor because of heat exhaustion. And of course, the doctor's yeah. response to me was, but you live in Florida. I said, yes, but there's a difference between Florida. And yeah. Here. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's also different. The heat is a bit different, isn't it? I mean, I'm not sure about Florida. Is it very humid there or? Yes, very humid. And, you know, it's so funny because here I, at school, I mean, if we have an issue at school with air conditioning, they'll close part of the school down and they'll, they'll move right. things to where the air conditioning is. That's how serious it is here. They take it so seriously. But, you know, I've understood how you don't find it as much in Italy. I respect that. But this year it was a little bit of a struggle, but I made it through. So, and I'm in air conditioning right now. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say the same. My my apartment is like a sauna. It is so hot. Like, <laughs> I can't oh. even tell you. <laughs> oh, boy. That's okay. I, 
I've gotten used to it by now, but it's, yeah, it's pretty warm. I, I, I bought a fan the other day thinking mm-hmm. that would, that would fix things and it's, it's okay, but it's, it's pretty hard to sleep when you are, you know, sweating. <laughs> ice cubes, That's so- ice cubes, washcloths, yeah. yeah. anything in cooler water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Trust oh my me, gosh. I can give you tips. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll take them. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, tell me, how did you, uh, how did you discover Francesca Maggiotta as your favorite oh. producer? So I met Francesca in o- this past October and I was with fellow members of the Italian seller. So Ed, Lindsay, and I, we are the, the owners of the Italian seller. And we, as you mentioned, we only sell Italian wine. So every time that we do visit Italy, we try to meet with, you know, producers in various regions. So we had focused in October on the Abruzzo region. And Francesca met us when we had visited Margiotto Winery. And she just had so much energy and so much passion for not only the wines that they're selling, but also the Abruzzo region, the Montepulciano grape. I mean, she just embodied everything about Abruzzo. And it was just so great to hear that because, of course, you know, she is part of the fifth generation of the winery. But she wanted to make sure that, you know, any questions we had that she answered. So it, for us, as you know, for the three of us, it was just such a great experience. And then, you know, understanding the importance of the winery to her family. She also had done these amazing, of course, you know, wine and food, these like these wine and food pairings that she did as we were going through the, you know, the degustazione, the tasting, they were things that I hadn't even thought of before. So it was just lovely to meet her and hear that energy and passion about Abruzzo and its wines. So that's why I chose Francesca. Awesome. Awesome. And um, so what, uh, what, what do you, like, you know how Stevie's all about the learning objectives for these shows. Um, do you, what, what do you want people to come away with after this in terms of, of her wines and, and oh, yes. her, her mm-hmm. Okay. So of course, you know, teachers, we always have our objectives. <laughs> so hopefully... <laughs> At the end of this lesson, we don't want to call it a lesson, but of course this episode, um, Francesca and I will be discussing more about the native grapes of Abruzzo, because of course, you know, it's important to know each region's native grapes. So we'll be discussing that. And then of course, the role of Montepulciano as the powerhouse grape of not just her portfolio, but of the region. And another aspect is the Pecorino grape and it's gaining status as a, in sparkling wines and one of, and I will let Francesca discuss this, but one of the wines that we had tasted at her winery was an amazing sparkling pecorino. And of course, the food pairing that went with it, the types of cheeses, it just was so great. So those are the main things. It's very Abruzzo centric, but that's the goal. Okay, cool. Well, I guess uh, what's left to do is um, call in Francesca. Are you there? Hi, everybody. Ciao, Francesca. Buonasera. Hello. Ciao. Buonasera a tutti. Well, I I guess you guys are you guys are are both there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mute myself and then we'll come back at the end. And um, yeah, I don't know if there will be time for questions. There there rarely is, but um, we'll see. Let, let's let's I'll let you guys get going and then um, we'll talk later. Perfect. Go ahead. All right. Well, thank okay. you, Joy. And of course, welcome to Francesca and welcome to all of our guests. Buonasera della Cantina Italiana, sono Giulia for some of our Italian listeners. But I'm Julie from the Italian Cellar and tonight we are discussing Margiotta wines with Francesca. So Francesca has been working with her father since 2016 at the winery. And a little tidbit is that at Vin Italy in 2019, the Cantina Margiotta received the prestigious Angelo Betti Award for Meritorious Viticulture Grand Medaglia Can Grande for the Abruzzo region. And we'll talk more about that later. And Francesca is part of the winery's fifth generation. So we are very happy and honored to speak with Francesca this evening. So hello. Hello. All right. Yes. So Francesca, I know that I'm, of course, I'm going to be asking you some questions. But, you know, the best place to start is... We know that you're in Abruzzo, but tell us about a little bit of the history of Cantina Margiotta. So we can say that all Cantina Margiotta 
history has began with my fifth grandfather, Gabriele Margotta, who started to cultivate in 1910 Montepulciano of Abruzzo in uh, our cold valley. Not today, but usually it is really cold here. And um, at that time, you have to imagine that viticulture was not in line as we are used to have it today. But vine were cultivated like real trees, you know, tall as my knee about, and just producing three, four kilograms of fruits each plant. So imagine how hard it was to obtain good wine at that time. So luckily for me, it is no more like that. And we produce about 12 hectares of um, native grapes here in Bellinia Valley. And actually in the winery, it is me, my dad, Carlo, and his father. So my grandpa, Silvio, who is the real vineyard's boss. And it is a real familiar business. So it is always us and, you know, some relatives who help us, especially in uh, the harvest time, in the pandemia time, who is, you know, one of the most happiest moments of the year, but even the harder. Yes. And then when did you specifically join the cantina? So... Someone is used to say that wine is in my blood because, <laughs> you know, I'm always bounded in, um, in this family business. But we can say I, you know, really started to be part of the winery uh, when I was graduate. So I was graduated in uh, 2017 in uh, University of Bologna City. And I'm really graduated in viticulture and enology. So I'm legally uh, an analogist in Italy, who is the real technician, so the real uh, wine technician maker. And yeah, we can say my real, you know, starting with the helping the winery it is in 2016, the told you, I've always, I really started when I was a child because you have to imagine when there's a winery business in the family, uh, harvest time, for example, it is our Christmas time about. So all the year, it's uh, all involved in when we will harvest and how the, the vintage will be. And so imagine to have this discussion in family every day of the year. <laughs> so we can say I've always, I've all, all, always involved in this kind, not business, but, you know, story. <laughs> yes, of course. And that's what I had noticed as soon as I had met you in October, is that, you know, mm -hmm. you were so proud to yeah. show us, you know, the vineyards. And then, of course, just talk about the wines and how wine is evolving. And of course, I honored that so much because it, that's what wine is. It's passed down through generations. And to see you exemplifying that was amazing. And so when we talk about the Abruzzo region, what are some mm -hmm. things that you would like others? Because since Abruzzo, sometimes, you know, it's when you think of it geographically, it's central Italy, but sometimes they say culturally Abruzzo might be considered southern Italy. But what, and it's not as well known as some of the other regions, unfortunately, because to my, I always think that every region deserves its spotlight. So what would you like to spotlight about the Abruzzo region in itself? So should be even for my, for my uh, business and my personal philosophy, but what I love about Abruzzo region, it's nature. So we are used to say in Italy that Abruzzo, it is the real green part of Italy. But to be exactly, it is the real green part of Europe. Mm. We are used to call it the green earth of Italy or the green part of the green earth of Europe. Because, you know, Abruzzo is all surrounded by national parks and especially the place where I am. And Abruzzo, it is one of the best places to stay in Italy, in, in my opinion, because in Abruzzo you can see the real, authentical Italian lifestyle. So it's actually not so famous as Tuscany or Piedmont or um, Southern Italy, like, you know, Amalfi Coast or um, Sicily. But actually... Abruzzo, it is a, a, a gem 
we are used to say it is a jam, it is a place where if you came, you can really see Italian lifestyles, you know, um, soft life, uh, la dolce vita italiana, il dolce farniente italiano. So life, it is really, really going soft and people are not having the city, the city life. So they are not used to have quickly. Yes, for sure. We don't have so much services because we have not biggest city. Uh, our biggest city is actually Pescara. So in the CSI not so far from where I am even if I am in mountain and that's the best way to stay in Abruzzo because in 30 minutes you can stay in mountains or you can stay in the seaside and so that's something I really love about Abruzzo region and for sure people uh, actually we're used to say yes you know biggest poet was used to say about Abruzzo Abruzzo forte e gentile that means that Abruzzo people are kind but even strong people and so are um, where they are really you know kind with tourists and people who wants to visit Abruzzo and even with you know uh, again but in the same time they're really strong they are really strong a really strong character so you have to meet gym people I always needs to stay in the in the field because Abruzzo population are used to stay uh, to have a field economy uh, so even my family for example in my place so people from Abruzzo used to live with fields so they can they can seem shrewd but it is not like that people's are always be kind, especially from people who wants to visit and know more about Abruzzo. For sure, in Abruzzo we have our special uh, language, so we use a lot of dialect, and mm. for sure I know it. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to to you know talk uh, with this dialect with my family and my friends, even if I'm I'm a young person, so I'm dirty and but we are used staying with friends to preserve our dialect because we love it and i hope you know in future generation it will be talked a lot because i'm i i think dialect it is something really characterize people and help us to preserve our real tradition in our dialect so uh, you have to imagine we have words who came from French, German, English because of, you know, uh, integration. Uh, Abruzzo, it is a place where people decide to, especially after the Second World War, um, when, you know, situation was not the best, we got a lot of emigrants and they came all over in the world. For example, my grandpa was in Canada for five years. And mm -hmm. so all these immigration are involved in our typical language. And we have words who can come from Spanish, from France, from English. And that's so interesting to know how it evolves. And that's something really interesting, even when these kind these immigrants people, so Italian, especially um, Italian American people, came here for you know summertime. They talk the real autochthonal language, so the real dialect, and it is not the same we are used to talk now. <laughs> and that's so interesting because they preserve the real one. They didn't have you know integration. Um, Sometimes I really don't know what kind of, you know, language they're talking, but it is just, you know, the pure dialect. I find that so interesting because I appreciate the local languages of each region. My husband, for example, he's from Napoli. And so, mm -hmm. you know, of course he speaks Italian, but really most when anytime I'm in that area, I go to except if I'm in the church or if I'm in the, mm -hmm. you know, the courthouse, that's functioning in Italian, but everything else outside is done in that Neapolitan dialect. And it's, you know, besides the fact that my mother-in-law refused to speak to me in classical Italian, <laughs> however, you know, that's, but 
I had to pick up some of that because it's so interesting how it's part of the Neapolitan culture and it needs to be celebrated and it needs to be preserved. And just like in all of the regions, you know, in, in Piemonte still, um, I think it's 5% of the population still yeah. speaks the Piemontese yeah. dialect. And it's important because that, if you know, when we trace back Italy, Italy still is a very young country. And these 20, you know, sometimes 21, because Alto Adige can be on its own, mm -hmm. regions have these languages that are part of their history. So the next time I visit Abruzzo, you're going to have to teach me more about the Abruzzese dialect. Oh, and I'll teach sure, you some Neapolitan. For sure. <laughs> for sure, I will. Don't worry. I yes. love to know more about, you know, dialect. So then, besides teaching us about more of the dialect, so then tell us about the terroir of your specific area. So you're located in the Paligna Valley, correct? Yeah. So, so I'm tell us about that terroir. Yeah. So I'm located in the most internal part of Abruzzo. Um, it is a concave valley. We, we call it Peligna Valley. It is in a really strategic position, as was telling before, because in half an hour I can be, you know, in the in the in the seaside, and in the meantime I can be in the highest mountain. And Peligna Valley, it has has told a real um, cold valley, and that's a real big. Why? And that's because we are surrounded by mountains everywhere. So we have Mayala and Morone Mountains. We have Sirande on the other side. And so we are really, as a cycle, surrounded by mountains. Mountains are, you know, the best for us because protect us from storms. But you have to imagine that as a concave valley, we will we are having a real cold uh, weather because if in the mountains snow, we are used to have the frost here. So we are really uh, bounded by the mountains uh, weather, and it affects for sure even the vines and the wine for sure. So the first thing it uh, you know. It is bounded by the vines. It is all given by the, um, the frost, for example. If there's snow in the mountains, we can have frost. And we can have frost and snow even in May. Because this is, we have a really long winter here. Uh, and a really short summer, but really, really warm. For example, like this. Uh, we are in a really good soil part of the Abruzzo, so we are used to have a really medium uh, soil, so 33 parts of lime, clay, and uh, humid, and sand, so that's perfect for the vine growing. In fact, Peligna Valley is one of the most, you know, um, no place to um, to have viticulture in Abruzzo. Uh, we got a uh, really good uh, windy uh, windy places. So good because if there's wind, there's no fungus. <laughs> but you know, every vintage is different each other, and um, vines are especially. Um, uh, you know, so, um, interested by uh, big phenomena in maturation time. In fact, in Peligna Valle, we have a big difference between night and, temp and day temperature. So this big difference between night and day temperature, especially in August, so when the, the grapes are growing, uh, it is interesting for the copigmentation. Copigmentation, it is really the, the fact because our wines are really strong in color and in flavor. Are you enjoying this podcast? 
There is so much more high-quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps, our books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, The Jumbo Shrimp Guide to Italian Wine, Sangiovese Lambrusco and Other Stories, and much, much more on our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now back to the show. Copigmentation is a chemical phenomenon where the where it is not different the quantity, but just the strong of flavoring and, co- uh, and color molecules. They are not more than in other parts of Abruzzo, but they are co-pigmentated, so they are bonded together, so their strength is different. And they are, for example, in our Cerasuolo, uh, with a really deep rosé wine, we can, say, we can see it really fast because if you uh, just you know taking in uh, comparison rosé by Pelinia Valley or rosé by the seaside uh, terroir they are really different in color we are really got a dark pink rosé wine and much more you go in the seaside much more much more are lighter so it affects the wine really so much that was a great lesson about location and then, of course, the day and nighttime temperatures and affecting the color of your wine. So then, you know, continuing with that, tell us more about the specific grapes that you grow and this, the ones that are native specifically to Abruzzo. Okay. So in our familiar winery, we are used to have just the autochthonal grapes. As for white varieties, we have... Pecorino, Trebbiano, and just a small vineyard of Moscato, which will produce a sweet sparkling wine. And as for red grapes, 100% Montepulciano of Abruzzo grapes, which will produce the Montepulciano of Abruzzo red wine in several different aging, seal or oak, and its reservation, Cerasuolo of Abruzzo. A real, you know, the most used um, uh, question I've received about my white grapes, it is all about Pecorino. Yes. You are used to say, <laughs> what a weird name for a grape. <laughs> but this is a real, this is a real uh, autochthonal grapes. Uh, it is called pecorino because, because it's all involved in our tradition of tratturi. Tratturi, it's literally the street uh, that shepherds was used to do with sheep from the mountains uh, to the seaside uh, when it is September. Because when it is September, the weather should, you know, getting worse and ships will not survive to the winter in the, up to the mountains. So they used to taking ships next, um, close to the seaside where it's warmer. And when they pass here, I'm in the middle, I stood uh, before from the mountain to the seaside. So when they pass here, it is literally September and ships are used to, 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 um, to, to pass in the vineyard and you know pecorino grapes are ready to be harvested so they are really really sweet and sheep love to eat it so local people was used to say the sheep the sheep's grapes the sheep's wine grape pecorino wine pecorino but believe with me you will not feel cheese in your glass <laughs> no and of course that i remember distinctly uh, tasting your Velus sparkling wine. And maybe that had been one of the first times I had tried a sparkling pecorino because in my market here, we it's hard to find them. But I was just mm-hmm. so amazed by it because I wasn't used to that. So tell us more because I think specifically that wine had won an award the year before. So yeah. what can you tell us about how you started to use pecorino for the sparkling wine? So it was uh, my project to in um, in university. 
I was in the university and you know, I was uh, used to study how to make sparkling wine. And I was studying how to make sparkling wine using the best phenomenon of sparkling wine. So I was used to study how to make champagne, how to make prosecco. And especially I really appreciate the story about how to make champagne. Champagne was invented for error. And actually it is, you know, the most sold and the most um, expensive wine in the world. And I was thinking, if people realize champagne forever, what I can do with my pecorino, with really aromatic grapes? And so I've started to, to, to experiment how to, to have this idea on how my pecorino should be sparkled. So I've talked with my teacher in university and then to my dad and then, you know, started practicing. I got about one year to, to try the right recipe to, to make it. And at the end, after one year, <laughs> I, I know it, how to do it. So we got a sparkling pecorino with Italian method. So Italian method, there's different method to make sparkling wine uh, and always have to produce from the juice the wine and after we have a second fermentation if it is in the bottle it is classic method so french method if it is made in a specific um, tank which is called autoclave it is made in charmat method or actually prosecco method and i've chosen the italian one so the, the charmat method it is a really quickly charmat method it is you know really experimental because my aim was not to lose the first aroma of the grape so i want a real aromatic wine and you know um, it worked. <laughs> I got a uh, sparkling wine with really aromatic and it is a brute, so a really low sugar wine. And for sure, it is perfect for any kind of uh, aperitivo uh, pairing. I love this kind of wine. and uh, But at, at the beginning, uh, for sure, I was not sure of what I was making. And I was one of the first making something like that. So sparkling and autochthonal grapes, uh, it's, mm, it is, actually it is something not really common, but in 2015, when uh, we had this proof, it was, you know, uh, it was something really weird. <laughs> yeah, I remember my ex-consultant, or was used to say, you're crazy, Francesca, what you're doing? But, you know, I was really involved by this idea. And I started to, um, to make it. And we had our first production in, um, in March. It was uh, Easter time. And people really appreciate. And one month after it, when Italy was in, and I've decided to, you know, inscribe my wine to... Um, sparkling star who is an award uh, for best sparkling in Italy and that year I won it oh my god it was incredible to me to win to win this award because you know I was graduate since just a month <laughs> and uh, it was something really weird in the wine sparkling market but probably it was something really the, the jury was really impressed about because pecorino is a really autochthonal grape sparkled in this kind of way, so not traditional. It was something really not weird, but new. And the taste, okay, was really good. <laughs> And so I think being new and being good was the, um, the best pairing for a new wine. And actually, Valus is our, one of our champions in the winery, and it has a sort of sun for me. <laughs>
Yes, I remember tasting it in my eyes. I don't know if you remember, but my eyes, I think, just (laughs) grew wide because I wasn't expecting such a refreshing. And I was, you know, of course, in my mind going through, well, I could have it with this and I could have it with this and this would pair well. And I don't need to use Prosecco. And of course, you know, I love Francia Corta. But to me, it's like you said, it's something new. But what an amazing wine. So aguri and complimenti. Thank you. uh, For this wine. And so when we think about your winery as a whole, of course, you know, working with the autochthonous grapes. So would you say that Montepulciano, because of course, when we think of Italy, there's so much, I guess, emphasis on Sangiovese and Nebbiolo Mm -hmm. when we're talking about red grapes. So how important would you say Montepulciano is to Abruzzo and to your winery? So for Abruzzo, it is for sure the most important wine and grapes we produce, for sure. If someone knows something in the world about Abruzzo, it is always bounded by Montepulciano, especially in the red version. Montepulciano, it has, you know, an amazing grapes. It is something I used to say for sure because I'm a Brutian and I'm an analogist, but even because I'm a technique of wine making, I've not studied in Abruzzo and I'm not only worked in Abruzzo. So I was in Piedmont and I've studied in, um, in Tuscany, so a lot of Chianti and Sangiovese, and for sure I've studied even in Bologna city, so I've, I've studied a lot about Sangiovese. But when we talk about Montepulciano grapes, we talk about an incredible grapes who is good in uh, um, not to be so close, so it means less fungus. Uh, is really productive, can have really good alcoholic content, especially where we are, because we have a really late harvest. You know, when you came last year, we were in the middle of October and we were, you know, in the middle of, of the harvest time and of endemia. So when we talk about Montevulciano grapes, we're talking about Abruzzo. We have about, you know, Montepulciano, even in other parts of Italy, not so much as in Abruzzo, for sure. But Montepulciano, it is the real Abruzzo grapes. Wherever you go in Abruzzo, where are vineyards, it is always Montepulciano. Montepulciano, it's a really good grapes to produce red wine, but especially in Peligna Valley, where we, where we are, to produce really good. Uh, rosé wines who can be as in our case even with superior mention because we can have really good alcoholic content as for example our Cretara who can have who can be even 14. Montepultano grapes are you know perfect to be even oaked as wine. Uh, in Abruzzo, we have a lot of oaked Montepulciano. Um, in my case, I use Slavonia oak, as you know. But wherever you go, we use, wineries use a lot of different oaking projects. Uh, and I think to, in time, have tasted Montepulciano oaked or aged in whatever material and in whatever kind of oak, American, Slavonia, French whatever and it is always different so we have a really good mm, same touch of black cherry but by the aging you can really change this kind of wine so Montepulciano it is a real richness of of Abruzzo viticulture for sure but even for Abruzzian enologist and enology. Uh, it is a good material to work with and to experiment. And, you know, it is something I want to know. And just give me the time to try if it, if it can be sparkled. <laughs> I will let you know. Oh, I'm, I trust you. <laughs> if it can be done, I know that you will do it. So I will try and let you know. Bye, Francesca. Bye. (laughs) 
And so I know too, looking at your portfolio, you even have interesting names to the wines on your labels. So besides the Belus for your Pecorino mm -hmm. sparkling wine, I remember from your Montepulciano, there was one called Cretara. And yeah. I know you had some other names. So what is the significance of these uh, names of your wines? So all the name of our labels are involved by our history or tradition or culture. Cretara is one of my most sold wine in Italy and in the world. It is all bounded to my family tradition. In fact, Cretara, it is the hill where my, uh, my fifth grandfather, Gabriele, has started to cultivate Montepulciano grapes. And Cretara Hill, it's actually all Margiotta winery property. So it is even, uh, we are used even to go there, you know, with wild lovers who wants to visit it. And so it is all uh, bounded to my family. Instead, Vellus. It is all bounded to the Tratturi uh, tradition I was talking about for Pregorino because Vellus, it is literally the hull of the, of the ships. In fact, in the label, we are used to reproduce in gold the hull of the ships uh, to, to know people that Pecorino name it is bounded to Tratturi tradition. Another name of our wine, our best wine, it is Pentima. And Pentima, it is an historical name involved to the city of Corfino, actually a really small town with about at two kilometers from the winery. And it is a really lovely town today, but you know, to in, um, before Christ in Roman, in Roman, you know, um, time, Corfino was the first Italic capital. And this is the place where the name Italia is born. It is actually a town of 300 people. <laughs> but at that time, it was the first Italic um, capital. So in Corfino, all the Italic population get together to fight with Rome. Uh, unluckily, they lose, <laughs> or the history should be not in the same way. And so Roma city tell us, okay, actually, we need to change your name from Corfino to Pantigma because you need to repent yourself. In fact, pandima means repent. And um, with the um, uh, fascism, uh, Mussolini uh, decided to change again name to Corfino from pandima to Corfino because he wants to reproduce the, you know, ancient um, Roman st style um, fashionism. But you have to imagine that Pentima name, it is all involved in our tradition. And uh, my grandpa is used to call the, the city of Corfino again Pentima. <laughs> Because, you know, fascism and, you know, this kind of, um, it, it was not so much time ago. So <laughs> they were, local people is used to call again Pentima, uh, the Corfino city, again, a town, actually. And the other wine we produce, it is Ferrax line. It is my uh, entry-level wines. And Ferrax, it's instead bounded to not a tradition, but to culture, in particular to Ovidio poet, who is a Latin poet, a really famous Latin poet from Sulmona City. And he was used to say that Pelinia Valle was Ferax, Ferax cereris multoque ferajo ruris. That means it was Ferax or fertile, that's the real uh, significate, to 
terrorists that's the um, the godness of uh, of grain so to grain production and it means much more fertile uvis so to grape production and we know it you know in the first hundred before Christ so Italian population of Palinia Valley it is really good to obtain grapes much more a long time ago since you know first and um, first century before Christ and that's something amazing when I discovered it. So I decided to dedicate an entire line to these you know unique uh, um, words of our most important poets of you because I think history teaches us a lot and if it, it was like that you um, uh, 2000 years ago and it is like that now that is something needs to be celebrated and the wine it's always good to be to celebrate of course you know a way to a history teacher's heart is by giving us a history <laughs> lesson and joy studied history as well so we have quite a theme today and of you know it makes me want to take out my latin textbooks i had studied latin when i was in school so these were what a great insight into not only your winery but the the line of the wines and i knew that there was a significance and that's why i specifically wanted to ask so thank you so much mm. and there will be a pop quiz for our listeners at the end <laughs> so they should brush up on their latin terms but wow so when we go from the history part of it and we go to the wines you know that you had just talked about what are some of your essential food pairings? Because, of course, we can't talk about Abruzzo wines without some Abruzzo cuisine. Oh, for sure. I'm always thinking about, you know, wine and food needs always to be paired together. And we are used to say that wine is conviviality. So when, it's, when wine it is on a table... That always needs to be food and friends <laughs> staying there. My wines are wines who are really, really, you know, autochthonal. And for sure, the good pairing with autochthonal uh, food, for sure. So we have to imagine that one of our passport to wine, it is Cerasuolo. So this really deep rosé wine. We are used to pair it with everything. We are used to pair it with fish, with meat. We are used to pair it with pasta. And I have to be honest, we are used to pair it even with pizza. <laughs> because Churrasuolo, it is a real passport to wine. They, it is a rosé, so they have from Montepulciano grapes. So really good aromatic, really good acidity. Perfect to be pairing with everything. But... Some essential food for my wines are for sure lamb. We are used to pair lamb with red or white. It depends on how you cook it. So famous Aristicini, for example, so lamb uh, roasting. We are used to have it with uh, for sure red wine. But if you have fried lamb, or you have for sure to be paired with a sparkling pecorino. Uh, some essence of food we are used to pairing um, with my wines are especially, you know, really fatty food. So I'm used to pair all its fried, all its cheeses, even pecorino cheese, for example, with good acidity wine. So pecorino, pecorino sparkling, cerasuolo, or our, you know, typical meat food local like sausages or uh you know and made local prosciutto or lamb again with red wines or montepulciano especially if it's oct so oct montepulciano it's perfect to be paired with red meats and you know local red meats are the best uh julie uh, you came in uh, my 
degustazione time in my wine tasting time and as you know I'm always used to um, to, to pair food with my wines and for example our uh, tagliere of degustazione so the, the plate where we are using to give people who came in our degustazione it is always made by a local um, selector that only use local producer food and uh, it's in my one real local word it is always used <laughs> every day because we want really to promote our territory so for example with my wines we are used to give cheeses from local shepherds or you know um, sausages salami or prosciutto by local bachelor or producers um, garlic of Sulmona in Sulmona, so the closest city to my winery, we are used to have an autochthonal red garlic, and we are used when it's time in the year to pairing even um, the stems of uh, garlic with our uh, cerasuolo because um, we want always to promote our area, even in the food pairing. Yes, and I remember your tagliere distinctively because I even saved a photo of it in my favorites album on my phone. Because <laughs> when I think of the best, you know, when I this was the ideal pairing, that's what I think of is what you had offered to us. And we were just so, you know, amazed by it. And of course, when you had started with that sparkling pecorino, it's just mm-hmm. it was an it was an outer world experience. So <laughs> We still talk about that, by the way. And so these are all great things that, you know, of course, we hope that more uh, people visit your winery. And you had even won an award in 2019 at Vinitaly, correct? It was the Grand oh, Medaglia sure. Can Grande. Yeah. So be- yeah. before we finish today, can you tell us about that um, award that you won? So it was a real surprise. I have to be honest. When my dad you know, came in the winery and said, okay, do you know the Angelo Betty Award? And I say, yeah, it is a really, it is probably the most important la- national award for viticulture. And he say, okay, you won it. <laughs> I was give, telling him, you're mad, Dad, it's all okay. <laughs> What's happening? And instead I was, you know, by my region, Abruzzo, I was candidate in the national award and with my full uh, surprise to know it, at the, I just knew it at the end and I just knew it when I was, I was really uh, won it. So um, it was a real surprise. It is one of the biggest, uh, you know, award I won and I was sure of it just the moment I have arrived in Venetale and you know there was the president who the president of my region and the president of Venetale who get me the award and I probably it probably this was the moment when I really realized <laughs> I was winner it. Uh, it was incredible because with me believe me there was the the story of viticulture in Italy. There was this Tuscan man who was 90 and it was one of the best producers I've always met in my life. And he was simply, you know, telling me, oh, you're the Abruzzo uh, winner. I'm the Tuscan. <laughs> and it was, you know, amazing to meet him and to got the same award. Uh, so probably the distinction they gave to me, it was, you know, for the job, uh, my family was doing in this land since 1910. And my dad, my grandpa, you know, his father and father and father. And, and it was probably even to say good luck for your career you start good and we want to say you good luck and 
you you got really good and we want to give you a good luck for the wheeling and believe me staying there and realize the national tv was there and and you were one of the 20 in the in in the nation who won it uh it i think nothing can you know can pay what i what what we did that days oh it was incredible and and to win it was you know really art in your soul because you're accepting something to tell your family thank you and it was something really really special to me to thinking about you know what was before me and what uh, will be with me and after and an amazing moment for a lifetime and for the family for sure for the and for the business for the winery of uh, so good and so so exciting yes and i know that on your website there's a picture of you with the mm-hmm. medal and it's just so cute because i can see that you know the happiness in your eyes and how important this was for you and your family and you know especially your grandparents so we applaud mm-hmm. you again auguri and complimenti because thank you thank that you that was so important and we we hope that others will come and visit your winery in abruzzo and i of course look forward to seeing you again you know it's funny you mentioned about um people usually staying in like Pescara and that's where I normally stay every single time is Pescara and you can get mm-hmm. around Abruzzo quickly. So I look forward to meeting you again. And Joy, do we, I would ask if we have any questions for our lovely and uh, meritorious Francesca. Hi, um, let me see here. Laika, do we have any questions at this point? I always say that if, uh, if anybody does have questions and they're too shy to ask, they can always email me at info at italianwinepodcast.com and I can forward it. Laika, are you, uh, are you there? Hi, I'm here. Um, well, there are no questions in the chat, but um, if there are any questions uh, from the audience who would like to um, ask, um, you can just raise your hand and uh, we'll put you up on this stage. We also only have uh, two minutes left. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's, that's the other thing as well. Um, Julie, thank you so much, Francesca. Thank you. That was a really great conversation. And it was actually, it was, it was really good. I hope you guys come back. <laughs> and I, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna close the room because I don't see anybody raising their hand. And yeah, like I said, if, <clears throat> if anybody does have questions, they're welcome to email me and I will, I will put you in contact so that you can, you can get an answer to your question. Um, Laika, what is the, what is the clubhouse on Friday? Okay. So we have Rebecca Severs. Um, she's also, um, part of our VIA community. Um, she will be interviewing Giovanni Nordera from Pasqua Winery. So that's going to be on Friday at 6 PM Italian time zone. Cool. And then after that, we'll be back, um, end of August. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. (laughs) Oh my God. <clears throat> wow. I've got a, got a frog in my throat. Julie, thank you so much. And Francesca, I wish you all the best. Keep cool in the summer heat. Enjoy everybody the summertime if you're going away on vacation. And I wish you all the best. We'll talk to you soon. Thank okay, you so ciao. much. Thank ciao. You. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. 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 We hope 
hope you enjoy today's episode brought to you by the Wine to Wine Business Forum 2022. This year will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on November 7th and 8th, 2022 in Verona, Italy. Remember, the first early bird discount on tickets will be available until August 22nd. For more information, please visit us at winetowine.net. I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.